This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Merry Christmas to you, you, and especially you. I'm Ben McKechn. And I'm his red-nosed little helper, Mark Hadley. Welcome to episode 2000. 2000. Of the big picture for the week beginning December 25th. Hence all the Christmas references. And coming up on today's show. Our awards for the best family films of 2017. Must watch TV with the second season of The Crown. And our Hugh Jackman is back in the limelight with The Greatest Showman. G'day, everybody. Merry Christmas to all and a special Christmas welcome to Russ Matthews. Thank you very much for joining us, Russ. Oh, it's so great being here for Christmas. He's Love going being to be here for Christmas for you guys. He's going to be here the entire show just to laugh at Ben's joke. <laughs> That's uh, right. That is the best gift of all, Russ. I get to you giggle all day long. Here on the last show of the year, but also the last big picture radio show on your airwaves. Well, for the time being... Well, well, there'll be more. We'll talk more a little bit about that later. You've got to stay tuned to hear what's coming next. That's right. And also stay tuned, everybody, to learn what's going on in movies at the moment. And in movies at the moment, gentlemen, two words, Boxing Day. Every Boxing Woo-hoo! Day at cinemas, cinemas basically go off with new movies being released. This year, we've got everything from new Pixar effort Coco to Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Breathe. We talked about them on the show last week. Check out the podcast. Downsizing, we also talked about that a few weeks ago. Check out the podcast. And The Greatest Showman, which we'll be talking a bit about later in this show. I don't think this year is as huge at the box office, but it's definitely as varied and as ample as you tend to yeah, get. Yeah, there's a lot of choice. Boxing Day. There is <laughs> a lot of choice, people. There. Don't be yeah. saying you don't get a lot of choice. There's a lot of choice. And also, coming at cinemas on January 1st, because, you know, we need more movies after Boxing Day. It was, like, so crowded. Of course. Pitch Perfect 3. Haven't really heard much noise about that. Three cool. Pitch Perfect 3. Anyway, that's coming out on January 1st. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is basically a huge, critically responded well to film. <laughs> stars Frances McDormand as an angry mum who puts up billboards outside her hometown about the unsolved murder of her son. Looks like a fantastic film. That is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, coming your way on January 1 at Cinemas near you. And indeed, now we're at the small screen and we've got all that sort of big screen rubbish out of the way. We have shrunk down now, yes. (laughs) We will now talk about what everybody's actually anticipating. It is, in fact, on Tuesday the 26th, Doctor Who, Twice Upon a Time. It's the Christmas special. The <laughs> Doctor Who usually, Christmas special. Everyone's anticipating it. Oh, okay. I, honestly. I usually right. love this time of year. Russ, there's so much that's good about it. But what I really fear on the big picture every year is Mark reminding us about the Doctor Who special that's coming. So please, Mark. Tell uh, us more. Please, allay my fears. I mean, As I am dressing up in my cardboard... Dalek costume. Mm. The annual Doctor Who Christmas <laughs> special serves as Peter Capaldi's farewell to the series. You see? The 12th... Look, don't look at me. Like that. <laughs> Just... Keep going, keep going. Anyway, the story focuses on two doctors stranded in an Arctic snowscape. <laughs> refu- two, wait, two doctors? Yes, what? refusing to face regeneration. Yeah, with everything from enchanted glass people... Who's the other doctor? That, look, don't... I'm, I'm midway. Okay? Right, right. Stealing their victims from frozen time to a World War One captain destined to die on the battlefield. It's part trenches, part snowstorm. It's just, look, everything you ever wanted in a Doctor Who special. It's all there. Go and watch it. Who's fact, the other Doctor? Look, 
I'm not supposed to spoil stuff. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. And so, well, I take that so seriously. If I, anything I, could possibly compete with that, which I know it possibly it couldn't, Mark. But if they say there was anything else around on the small screen, what all, what you might also recommend this time of year? There is a huge collection of Christmas oh, specials. Are we ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay I'm There's sitting down. the Royal Variety performance on the ABC. Sure. The Call the Midwife Christmas special for your wife. You had oh, my wife, Amy, at the Call the go. Midwife Christmas special. Yep. My personal favourite, the Gardening Australian New Year's Eve Christmas special. <laughs> So people are like gardening on New Year's Eve, and that's the special one. That's absolutely, you get to watch them win. Oh, wow. And of course, just in case you don't get enough, the additional Whovians Christmas special. That's different to the Doctor Who thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just focusing on the fans and what they're doing at Christmas. Is this just a documentary of your house Basically, at Christmas? Everyone's coming like- around. The You'll Who goggle box is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Come around to my place. We're all going to roast a garlic. Wow. Okay. Uh, Mark, before we get to uh, what your kids are watching special segment this week, the awards list for family films in 2017, I believe you've got a true or false to finish the year off for I, us. You would believe that, except that I don't. I have something completely oh. different. Yes. You're kidding. At last moment, when I was preparing for the show, I thought to myself, hey, here's an idea. Now, it's our last show on air. So what we thought we would do oh. is actually throw... But there's good news coming. Don't good be, news coming. Don't be sad. Tell you more about in the next break, but I want you guys to have a go at identifying which last show we are talking about. So let mm. me read it out to okay. you. Ready? Okay. okay, so I'm going to describe an episode. You tell me what the last so show you're is. So talking about a final episode of a TV the show. final episode of a very popular TV show. All right. I've got three of them for you. Here's the first one. Our leading man has a mystical revelation in California in the shape of a sales opportunity. He's meditating at the time by the ocean, and you see the light bulb go off over his head. He gets an idea for the ultimate soft drink ad. What last episode am I talking about? Can I say the answer now, or do I have to wait? Yeah, say Mad Men. Yeah, of course, it's the last episode go. of Mad Men. There you go. Well, no need to it. Feel, well, good job, man. You're doing a great job. No, need, feel, no need to feel down, Russ. There's one in here for you. Okay, good. Um, okay, here's number two. Our key characters find themselves on trial for not intervening when an overweight <laughs> man gets carjacked at gunpoint. The last episode of Seinfeld. Of course, it's the last oh, episode of Seinfeld. Oh, well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't remember go. that. Okay, and, so that's that's two. What's the third go. one? Here's the third one. If you're if you're playing along with us in in Radio Land, well, listen carefully. Clear eyes, full hearts. Friday Night Lights. Oh come on, <laughs> mate! You shouldn't have said that right at the start. <laughs> Everybody who's watched that TV show knows that's a famous oh. line from the show. Yeah, well, anyway, it is. What happens in the last episode? Oh, look, the series ends with the leading man and his wife leaving a small town. Blah blah blah. Okay, so, like, <laughs> oh. You spoiled it, man! Oh come oh, on, come on. Anyway, right, fine. Let's mate. just move on to something else. All right, thanks for that. So we are now up to. Our family film awards for this year, Mark. Indeed. Like making yourself feel sick on Christmas pudding or how children play with the box rather than the toy that came inside it, this time of year is also well known for being an annual occasion for making lists or handing out awards to movies, TV, music or anything else that basically comes along. The big picture loves to do that sort of stuff. So for our final What Your Kids Are Watching slot for 2017, we thought we'd hand out some unusual family film awards. Awards for unusual family films, or unusual awards for family films. Anyway, it's going to be one of those. So let's find out. Benethy. That's right, Mark. For Big Picture 2017, I thought we'd hand out three unusual family film awards, and the first category is Best Original Idea. Gentlemen, Best Original Idea. So I think the winners might have been Monster Trucks, that movie I know you guys liked, because it was about it was about about a truck that had a fun monster in it, right? Captain Underpants, that's about a captain who's got underpants. There's the boss baby, a baby who's a boss. The emoji Uh, movie, that's a movie. 
about emojis. <laughs> and then this new movie, Coco, that's coming out on Boxing Day, that somehow is a kid's movie about the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Mm, with no references to Coco the drink. <laughs> no. It, no that's, why, that's why it didn't win the best original movie idea. So the winner of the 2017 Big Picture Award for Best Original Idea in a Family Film goes to uh, The Star. Meet the unlikely heroes behind the greatest story ever told. Herod is up to something. Mary needs help. We need to save her. You're in danger. You need to listen to what I'm about to say extremely carefully. Do you want a belly rub? Whoa. The Star, still at cinemas, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is basically a talking animal's perspective on the birth of Jesus. Very fitting for Christmas Day. Now, I know talking animals aren't an original idea in an animated movie. I get that. Heck but no, that's not. You want no, to name six Jesus' birth. Yeah, yeah, Jesus' birth. But bringing them together idea. in the oh, one oh, movie, okay. that's why it's an award winner. Okay, my Are there second, any monster trucks? They, <laughs> if only. My second award is the franchise that looks like it's faltering but does deliver something different in the end. Now, the winners might have been Cars 3, but that just faltered. Despicable yeah. Me 3 had like a twin brother with hair in it or something like that. So really, that wasn't really happening. So the winner... Oh, hang on. How about yes? Fast Fury... Uh, Fu- what was that? Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. There's a franchise that could have but didn't. No. Ever. And, and I, and I, look, I Still made a billion I didn't dollars. even raise that and rub that in your face, that one of the, your favourite film franchises of all time. No. For the 2017 Big Picture Family Film Award for the franchise, it looks like it's faltering but does deliver something different, the Lego Ninjago movie. You ready for me to conquer Ninjago? Oh, I'll be waiting. Dad. Sorry? What was that last thing you said? What? That last part. I didn't catch it. Well, I, I, I didn't say anything. What do you mean? I didn't. Well, I, I said I'll be waiting and then I stopped talking. Dad. La Lloyd? That's right. Your son. And it's Lloyd. No. L L O Y D. I named you. You ruined my life. That's not true. I haven't even been a part of your life. How could I ruin it? I wasn't even there. <laughs> that last line in the, in the clip, <laughs> last line in the clip is one of the reasons that I chose this for the franchise. It looked like it might be faltering, but it delivers something different. So the Lego movie was awesome and took over the world. This same year, this year, we had the Lego Batman movie and Lego Ninjago. So yeah, things look like it might be getting a bit thin, this whole um, Lego franchise stuff. But the reality of Broken Families was at the core of Lego Ninjago, which is a really unusual concept for an animated movie. And as that clip just demonstrates, as we hear this evil villain Garmadon and his son Lloyd kind of having it out, they've been estranged for a long time. And the issues of a child growing up without a dad, a parental figure in their life, comes to the fore in Lego Ninjago. That's why it's an award winner this year. Yeah, Lego Ninjago's just been released on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, I think, last past week, right? Conveniently in time for Christmas. Oh, who would have thought? Time. In all honesty, if you haven't picked that one up for the family, that's just going to be a high-rotation one at our place. I'd watch it for sure. Okay, and the a third of our Unusual Family Film Awards this year is the most not disappointing. Most not disappointing. <laughs> the now, most, the most, most not disappointing. disappointing. <laughs> I love this one. You can yeah. also call it most undisappointing if you like. Ah, the winners oh. might have been Beauty and the Beast, which was the most successful movie at the box office this year, so obviously a lot of people liked it. But for me, I just thought that was a bit of a disappointing cash grab, so really. So not most not disappointing. No, that, just, a, that was just disappointing. Okay, yeah. Um, and then movies like Goodbye Christopher Robin, great movie, but you might have been disappointed that it wasn't wasn't the Winnie the Pooh animated adventure origin story that you were expecting from from that? Not most not disappointing. No. So the winner of 2017's most not disappointing family film is (laughs) Paddington 2. Are you quite sure you're ready for the workplace, Paddington? (laughs) 
It's Phoenix Buchanan. Dad's celebrity client. I suppose you know who I am. Oh, yes. You're a very famous actor. VIP. Celebrity. <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> this pop-up book, where on earth did you find it? Mr. Gruber's antique shop. Oh, yeah, 2017's family film that was most not disappointing, Paddington 2, of course, basically because I wasn't disappointed. That's why I'm a massive fan of Paddington. Film. That's great. It's and a- as Ben is carried away in his straitjacket, coming up, time to test your memory. Are we stopping talking about Paddington? Yeah, we're talking about the next oh, segment. Sit oh, down. Congratulations, Paddington 2. <laughs> Just sit there and think about Paddington 2. Time to test your memory, coming up. Can you name these top TV dramas? And the biggest queen on the screen, Claire Foy, is back as Elizabeth II in The Crown. Hey, thanks for joining us again on The Big Picture and a special Christmas welcome to Hope 1032's Graham Burrell. Graham, thank you very much for joining us on the final Big Picture show for the year. And we should just let everybody know that we've spent a lot more time throughout the year on your programs than you ever have on ours. So it's fantastic of us to give you a Christmas gift. <laughs> wow. A Christmas you gift. You guys are so gr- giving. <laughs> no, thanks. Thank you for letting me come on your show. Mate, yes. you're, no, it's, it's our Christmas to gift here. to you and our Christmas gift to Russ Matthews, oh, who's also it is here. A gift. <laughs> we're just sharing the Christmas love here on The Big Picture. Mark, what's, mm. up? what's up next? Well, this is how we're going to share it. Basically, Graham, yeah. we're going to get you back. Okay. okay so. What have I done to you guys? Well, well, Actually, nothing, Graham. What are you, do? What are you talking what, about? It's, it's what we get to do to you, Graham. Okay. Now, look, it, we have our soundtrack Will this segment. Hurt? Yes, a little bit. Okay. We have our soundtrack segment every week, uh, and we've been doing some mashups. Okay, so some idea about we're going to play some stuff, and you get to show us just how much you know about TV. Now, our soundtrack segment is a great opportunity for Ben to show his extensive knowledge of soundtracks, or not very much. Across the last couple of years <laughs> on the big picture, I basically bombed out on the majority of these mashups, where we play a selection of tunes from like action movies. Or last week we did science fiction. I was terrible. This week though, we've got TV show themes. I like. The, I think you're being a little cruel. I think you should let your know that there have been some mixed results. You've had zero, <laughs> zeros and ones, but uh, there's been an occasional two. I think I've, I've hit 50% on the odd occasion. Was so, that yeah. out of 10? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. so you're, exactly. in good, you're in good welcome, company. Welcome here, to the show, Graham. Yes. Yes. So, Mark. Here's what's going to happen, guys. Basically, I'm going to play nine different famous TV drama soundtracks, and the first person to name it is the winner. I'll keep score somewhere along the oh, way. So I'm against Russ. Uh, well, we're we'll all three of us. Okay. Oh, see three of us. Yeah. So we've done this before, but see if I can yeah, actually remember what we pain. did before. Ah, you ready? Okay. All right, you guys ready? Here comes yep. number one. The Simpsons. Now, that's just H- uh, nice HBO. Job. Yeah. Well done, man. Oh, I see. It wasn't The Simpsons. Instead, this is The Sopranos. Oh, I wow. I wouldn't have got that. One no? Gentlemen, okay. One to me, The Sopranos. All right. How about this one? Come on. Come on, guys. I'm giving you a chance here. Come on. The West Wing. Yeah, it's The oh, West, West Wing. Yeah. Yeah, I should have known can that we, Can we have some 80s TV shows? Because that, that's <laughs> exactly. more my genre. Ask, ask the Quizmaster over okay, here. Mark? Let's go with number three. Gentlemen, no. I'm giving no. you a head start. Well, Ben, <coughs> Mad like Men. Mad Men. It's Mad Men. It's true. It's Mad three Men. Three for three. Now, I understand that you guys spend more time on radio, but do you yeah. actually ever turn a TV off? No, I much. do, but maybe <laughs> some of the more recent shows I haven't watched. Oh. oh, okay. Like, as in anything that came in the last 20 years. That's okay, 10. <laughs> right, right. Let's play the next one. This America, man. Yeah, you 
put you out of your misery. CSI or something? Oh, no, mate, you're close. I can see how you work there, but it's actually The Wire. The Wire. The Wire. There you go. It turns out that on this particular mashup, Graham, unlike every other mashup in the history of the big picture, Mark has pretty much picked, handpicked loads of shows that I actually like. And no has been very gracious. He's making you out to be cool and us to be losers. Consider it my Christmas present to you. Moving on. What's up, number five? We up to? Yes. Possibly one of the most famous Game of series. Thrones? Yes! Oh, oh Russ! Right. There we go. There well, we go. All right, mate. Not That's that I five. know what that show's about. I've no, okay. about it. Okay, now here's one, here's one for Graham. We're going back a few years to this one. All right. Okay. It? I was going to say like, I was going to say Star Trek, but no, 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 no. no. That, that sounds Star Trekky. Yeah, yeah, that was is that right, lost. Mark? It was lost. Oh, lost. Oh. Yeah, lost. Yeah. Oh, by the yeah. way, our audience is six for six. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. They're like screaming at the radios. I'm right just failing right. at this. No, Graham, that's all right. Russ here on our TV theme show mashup. We're up to number seven. Who's going to get in first? Epic show. Oh. Probably groundbreaking TV. Are you talking about Star Trek and the next generation? No, no. Star Trek. You've got no confidence in this, Russ. It's Star Trek Deep Space Nine! Deep Space Nine! Wow! Yes, people. When I said before, Graham, that Mark's um, created a TV theme mashup that I really like, <laughs> yeah. we've, got to the, we've got to the point where I don't. Yeah. Uh, this, this, is, this is not me. Uh, okay, I'm, move us on. I'm move out. Us okay. On. Oh. Oh. Is it like um, not um, ER? No? Oh, so close, so close. So close to ER. Chicago Hope, was that a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Anatomy? No, just keep naming medical shows, guys. Yeah, we're... I'm kind of running out. It's House. Oh, it's house. Okay. Nice one. All right, and then finally... Finally. No. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. There you Lights. go. Yeah. Awesome. How, did, how did we do? Well, yeah, tell you, us. How, how did we do this well, time? Yeah, uh, how did you do, Graham? Us. I'm just running. <laughs> I'm just to the show. <laughs> I'm just running through the scores, and I won. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's just move on, Ben. Merry, so I don't think there's anything else Merry, to note. Merry Christmas, Royal. Thanks again for joining us on the show tonight, Russ. And Graham, thank you very much for popping in, and thanks for being such a supporter of the big picture across the last couple of years. Not a problem. Thank you, guys. Well, still to come on The Big Picture, this final episode of 2017 and our final episode on the airwaves, there are two things still to come on the show at least. One of those is we will tell you a lot more about the future of The Big Picture, what is happening next year. Get excited. We'll explain more later on. We're also going to be talking about The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. But now, okay... Gents, I think this is pretty much official. I'm not a royal watcher. I-, I couldn't tell my Princess Margaret's from my Princess Anne's, but I think that the TV series on Netflix, The Crown, is likely to make a royalist out of the most ardent Republican. One of the most anticipated releases on streaming TV is the second season of The Crown, starring again Claire Foy as a young Queen Elizabeth II. In the return of the series, though, we discover what it's like to be royal, be married, and be a Christian. The world has changed. Society in Britain has changed. You married a wild spirit. Trying to tame them is no use. This restlessness of yours, it has to be a thing of the past. The monarchy's too fragile. You keep telling me yourself. One more scandal, one more national embarrassment, and it would all be over. 
I know who I am. A woman for the modern age. Free to live, to love, and free to break away. Who has done more damage to the monarchy, me with my willfulness, or you lot with your inhumanity? The Crown is a dramatic take on the life of the UK's Queen Elizabeth II and her ascension to the throne as a young woman and then forward. And we see her mature as a person in this second season, even as she grapples with the responsibilities of being a monarch in a changing world. Uh, We've got this particular focus this um, time around on the ups and downs of married life, the hurtful words that can be said which hang around Elizabeth's necks, the, the difficulty of family life and particularly unhelpful family members, and self knowledge. Most of all, knowing when you've got it wrong and what to do about it. Russ Matthews, thank you very much again for joining us on this final Big Picture show of the year. I Love know that here. you and Mark have both seen the first season of The Crown. I haven't, but as far as I understand, it finished with some trouble in the old House of Windsor between Betty and Phil, right? <laughs> Betty and Phil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Elizabeth uh, and Prince Philip are in dire straits. Or Betty their and marriage. Phil to their friends. Yes, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, and the royal tour is a solution to that. So basically, while Elizabeth rules, she sends her husband off on a world tour to represent the monarchy, and that turns into a bit of a debacle, a bit of a men's getaway, okay? <laughs> um, um, royal men's getaway. No, good, yeah. It doesn't sound good. Uh, there's a lot of tension between husband and wife, uh, and there's a, a lot of idea about how they have to submit to each other uh, as the, in their different roles. Oh, okay. you know, as, as husband, as monarch, what do you do You know, in order to actually sort of keep each other respected and happy? And I also know that both of you think Claire Foy does a smashing job as the queen. She's obviously the core of this se- this show, The Crown, but what about the rest of the cast? Do they actually inform what goes on in, the se- in, in this season, or is it more about my old mates Betty and Phil? <laughs> okay, um, we, that's going to yeah, we're going to get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> that said, right now I can just envisage people writing letters. The um, the the show actually does sort of set up the other cast members as the contrast to the Queen's personal character. Okay, so basically you have um, Princess Margaret sort of setting herself up as as the modern woman of the age um, and doing a whole lot of risque stuff that's really quite strange. You've got Sir Anthony, who's the the Prime Minister being the dead hand of history and and how and tradition and all those sorts of things and holding everybody back and somewhere in the middle there is the queen doing her best to try and live out a, a life of integrity in an age where deference has ended there is no more respect for anything i mean we're entering into the 50s and 60s where all the institutions are crumbling uh, and so Basically, the monarchy finding its place is what is, you know, to try and inspire people and set an example is, is what becomes the most important thing. And, um, I'm kind of curious as far as, you know, talking about all the different traditions and things like that. So at any stage, is the Queen's faith kind of come into it? Yeah, and that's – look, I've got to say, this is quite possibly the most Christian television series I have seen in years. I mean, it's, You're, you're wow, actually labelling it a Christian series. Yeah, look, it, it is amazing because, look, if people don't understand, uh, Queen Elizabeth II has probably been the most prominent female Christian for the last 65 years, you know, in public life. Uh, she is an amazing Christian woman, and the series doesn't hide from that. So uh, in this – it's really surprising. I oh, know it's hmm. amazing. In this particular series, all sorts of things happen. Um, in the first series, she was reminded that you you do not serve the people; you serve God. And she's taken this on very much. When she gives her first televised Christmas message, um, she's actually talking about Pilgrim's Progress and the oh, difficulty wow. of going towards heaven. And in fact, um, actually facing uh, the fight each day. You take your bruises, but in fact, you actually you've got a motivation in the end of of being with God. Um, in fact, there's an entire episode devoted. 
where she meets Billy Graham. Oh, that really kidding. famous American evangelist. Indeed. Oh, wow. And indeed how she responds to him personally and how she struggles with the concept of forgiveness, both um, in her own heart and then also towards other people. And so we see her constantly praying, constantly reading the Bible, and she is standing out in her belief and faith against more cynical characters like Prince Philip or, or others who are saying there's really nothing to worry about other than just to drink and enjoy. And I'll tell you who comes out better. Claire Foy comes out better than anybody else. It is a real thumbs up to the faith. Yeah, wow. And uh, Russ, it sounds like once you get over your Christmas slump, or maybe to get over your Christmas slump after too much Christmas pudding, you will be devouring the second season devouring of The Crown. It. I'm all over it. Yeah. And this, <laughs> Yummy. and this entire second season, along with the first, is available right now for your viewing pleasure on Netflix. It's rated MA15 Plus for mature themes, and it does star Claire Foy, Matt Smith, Vanessa Kirby, and Matthew Good. Coming up, Hugh Jackman's all-new, all-singing and dancing extravaganza, Les Miserables 2. No, actually, it's, <laughs> it's, the, great, it's the greatest showman and coming up next. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Big Picture Christmas Extravaganza Spectacular for 2017. You're welcome. Now, in fact, this is the last radio show for the Big Picture, and so oh, we would we would like to... Gavin Thanks for being here, Russ Matthews, on our final show, I too. It's great you're here. here. Yeah, yeah so how, how are we possibly going to make this not a downer, Mark? Well, on account of the fact that it's getting bigger and better. Oh, so oh. the bigger picture is just wow. bigger and bigger and bigger. The if bigger you actually picture. thought that this was, in fact, a downer, well, um, you're sadly mistaken because the big picture is actually going to go all visual next year. All and, visual. And it, so what we've done so far is we, if, you're, if you're really clever, you've basically signed up to the podcast and you'll realise that you're getting lots of extra stuff on the podcast – and that you might not actually hear on air. So I encourage you, sign up for the Big Picture Podcast or connect with us on Facebook and you'll learn all about what's happening in 2018 where we'll go from simply one show, one show a week to actually multiple shows, short, sharp and easy to digest. Watch them on your phone and such forth as we deliver the... 21st century version of the big picture. So they've all been <laughs> Isn't that what we've been doing? As we well, talk about movies and TV and pop culture from a Christian perspective, yeah, I was pretty sure we were in this century. Radio's been around for a fair while, whereas video is sure. truly, truly mobile video next year. So tune in, keep connected, check out the podcast, also check out the Facebook page, and you'll find out everything that's happening with the big picture in 2018. So join us now and in the future. Well, this is the last review that we'll be doing on the Big Picture Radio Show. Oh, and it's yeah. fitting that the blockbuster Boxing Day release we're talking about is all about us. Hey. The greatest showman. The greatest showman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show to be man. honest, it's the greatest showman that stars yeah. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, but that, of makes, course, that makes more sense. We're letting him stand in. Yeah. As the great showman P.T. Barnum, who revolutionised the circus world back in the late 19th century. Fast forward to the end of 2017, and The Greatest Showman is a full-bore, all-singing and dancing musical about celebrating the specialness of us all and how no one has ever made a difference by being like everyone else. P.T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. And I need a star. Every one of us is special. And nobody is like anyone else. That's the point of my show. Ready? Showtime.
And we also should have mentioned, gentlemen, that we've organised for all three of us and our nearest and dearest to go to the red carpet for the Greatest Showman premiere. Alan Hugh Jackman's going to be there and Zac Efron as well and plenty of others in this business of show. And so let us now bring to you the Great Big Picture Red Carpet Report. On the greatest showman. Well, here we are, and we've just gone past the red carpet. Hugh Jackman was there, Zach Efron, Zendaya, who I didn't even know who Zendaya was, but she's apparently a very big thing. What was your impression, Ben? Oh, my first impression was how much I laughed when you got moved on because Hugh Jackman was over there and the bouncers told you, to, like, get away from our Hugh, get away from I, our I can't Hugh. understand why you're on this side of the rope and they still won't let you do a selfie. What can you do? Uh, my impression of The Greatest Showman, not the greatest musical I've ever seen. It's definitely pushing for it, though. Got loads of money behind it. It's a excellent new Australian director called Michael Gracie. I say excellent because it's his first film. So good on him for actually getting up such a massive production about based loosely on the real life of P.T. Barnum. Hugh Jackman does a great job with him. I think they've written a monstrous new album that should blow away... Do they still have charts? They have blog sites. Yeah, it's going to blow away the blog sites, all the different uh, singing and dancing numbers in here. So there's a lot that audiences, I think, are going to enjoy, particularly the performances of Hugh Jackman and Zac, uh, Zac Efron, who's like P.T. Barnum's offsider. Now, the good thing is we've got a crowd around with us, all our nearest and dearest. So how about we go around? Ben, we've never had your wife on the show. Is that right? Okay, so um, why don't we start? How about you tell us what you thought of the film? No pressure, Amy. I thought it was good, light-hearted fun. Music not to my taste, but don't let that put you off, so please decide for yourself. Yeah, you're much much more into bagpipes, as I understand, Amy. (laughs) We'll move on. Russ, obviously, you were in the studio with us, now you're here at the show. I really enjoyed it, but I also think it's really going to appeal to the La La Land kind of crowd. I think they're really going to enjoy it, even though it's very different musical from that, but I think that it'll it'll appeal to that group if you enjoyed La La Land. And Kathy, your better half. Kathy, what did you think of the film? enjoyed it. It took me a bit to gel the time period and then the music style, but it definitely engaged me and I think it'll be a, a fun fun go for audiences. Would you take the kids? Definitely. Not since the dim dark days of the big picture have we had the producer, who also happens to be my wife Maya, actually give her opinion. Maya, what did you think of the film? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was quite reminiscent of some of Baz Luhrmann's great work. Mm. Probably not as good mm-hmm. as Baz Luhrmann films. Um, sister. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Um, so I did enjoy it. I would recommend it. I kept on thinking of Moulin Rouge all the way through going, yeah. Moulin Rouge was really good at this point. Anyway, but, I mean, it was, it was a really good film. Ben, what did you struggle with? Mate, well, I was going to ask you a few historical questions because you're way more clued up on the history front than me. One of the things I struggled with is this character of P.T. Barnum. So I think Hugh Jackman put in a great performance. But in terms of a true story of a guy who revolutionised show business or effectively created it by putting a lot of unusual people up on stage and making them a show, what I struggled with is the presentation of P.T. Barnum and whether he was doing that out of, say, the goodness of his heart, out of a quality, out of putting people forward to let them be who they want to be, as the movie sometimes suggests, or as the movie also suggests, he was just making a quick buck and just wanted to basically exploit them. Do you know historically whether which part of that is accurate? Well, P.T. Barnum was definitely a man who was quite happy to exploit everything that was around him historically. Mm-hmm. One of the film's big points is he, he, do, he did travel, he did meet Queen Victoria, and he did meet um, Lind, Jenny, well, Jenny, Jenny Lind, there you go, who the was famous the, opera singer, the famous opera singer, of. and he did in, in fact actually bring her over, though the film does a fairly nasty work on her character, a little unfortunate actually, because she stays friends with him historically and also is the cornerstone of his fortune, so I'm not really sure what the film is going for there, you've got to have a villain somewhere. Do we go anywhere spiritually with this film? 
Yeah, look, a lot of the big numbers that are being released for the movie, and again, they're going to be massive, I think, the songs in The Greatest Showman, but I think the very strong vibe going through the biggest anthems that's coming through is very now, which, and even though this is set 19th century, very now, this whole message of just be who you are all the time, be what you want to be, don't let anyone stop you, what is it, Write, rewrite the stars, carve out your own destiny, don't let the world judge you, don't let it get in your way, basically whoever you are and you want to be, that's who you should be. That's a very strong message, I think, The Greatest Showman. One of the things I struggle with is if everybody does that all at once, what kind of world are we going to have and how can we all possibly rewrite our dreams at once as this movie is showing? And even P.T. Barnum, who's trying to carve out his own destiny, I found a bit of a jerk along the way. And so he's apparently allowed to be a jerk and that's a good thing. One of the amazing things I think coming at Greatest Showman and what you can really think about very deeply is how this movie is presenting this guy and this circus as quite an extreme version of society where equality is such that you can be all you want to be and it really uh, points back towards people who are judging others for whoever they are, particularly the way they look and the colour of their skin and that kind of thing. Yeah, did you notice how many people who are on the bad side of the tracks, the, those who should be looking down on, were white, well-dressed, almost con- had to be conservative. Yeah. So if you were a conservative person, by definition, you're actually kind of a bad yeah. person. And, you were, and they were all the people who were judging. But the amazing thing is that we've already had this extreme version of society painted to us centuries and centuries ago by Jesus, who was so extreme and said, don't worry about it, don't judge others at all, like, otherwise you'll be judged yourself. And he wasn't just talking about the exterior of people. He pointed back internally and said, so don't worry about looking at everybody else, but look inside at you and work out where you're at. I don't think the greatest showman ever dares to go to such extremes, really, of such soul-searching of look inside yourself. Instead, it keeps looking more on the exterior. And the exterior is amazing. It's a really entertaining spectacle, and I think it's going to blow up this Boxing Day. Better than Les Mis? Uh, actually, I liked Les Mis much more than you did, but it's, this is much more uh, toe-tapping, and people have been coming out punching the air much more than Les Mis. Quick around the circle, um, how you, what are you going to give it out of five? Three. I give it four. Oh, 3.5. I'll give it a four or so. Wow, that was, gentlemen, The Greatest Showmen, as in Arsene. Like, <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> but we were talking about The Greatest Showmen, which does star our Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams, Zephron, a.k.a. Zac Efron, Zendaya, and lots of zinging and zancing. Oh, wow. See, because there's a lot of zets in. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, the Greatest Showman is, ra- like me, I'm The Greatest Show. I'll stop. The Greatest Showman is rated PG for mild themes. It opens at a big top or a chock top. Near uh, you from Boxing Day. See what I did? I'm going to wow, I'm gonna bring that in now. <laughs> Just go sit in the corner. Coming up in our final segment of the final show, what the Bible has to say about Christmas, past the turkey, another round of bonbons, well, maybe, and the top five most joyous movie moments. Now with even more joy. Hey, thanks for joining us on the final segment of the final Big Picture program for 2017. Merry Christmas to all, and especially to you, Russ Matthews. Thank you very much for joining us on this big bumper special edition Christmas bonbon package show thing of whatever this is called. Exactly, the big man. Picture. Wow. Because I have absolutely loved it. No other two other guys I'd rather hang out with to Christmas. Uh, well, except for maybe my family and the like. But no, but actually, yeah, no, I love this. Thanks. We're thanks definitely top of the here. list, Russ. Yeah, we, we understand. Feeling sort of the love. Okay, so this year we've been blessed by the many insights into popular culture afforded by the Bible Society CEO, Greg Clark. So it only seemed fitting, as we approach December 25, to have him weigh in on one last event. And of course, to tell us what the Bible has to say about celebrating Christmas. I do love the excuse to enjoy sparkling burgundy at Christmas. I know people have different views on drinking alcohol, but for me it's a delicious kids drink for adults and it suits the sense of festivity that Christmas should bring us. If I could find a Melchizedek of it, I'd be delighted. What's that you say? Come again? Have the bubbles gone to your head? 
No, that's the name for a rare, thankfully rare, 30-litre bottle of wine. It's called a Melchizedek. When your bottles get bigger than a magnum, which is a term most people know, the larger sizes are described using the names of kings from the Old Testament part of the Bible. You've got a Rehoboam, a Jeroboam, a Methuselah, and a Shalmanazar, and as the bottles grow, the names seem to get harder to pronounce. Balthazar, Nebuchadnezzar, and Melchizedek. There's a Goliath in there too. Well, how did this come to be? No one really knows, but there are some agreeable guesses going around. For example, the six-litre Methuselah, might have been given the name because it could age for a very long time in the bottle, just like the venerable old man of the Bible, who's said to have lived to 969 years old. Well, this is just another example of how the rich and complex stories of the Bible have seeped into our culture, running through our veins like the wines we're talking about, even when people don't know anything about the characters or the stories to which they're referring. And Christmas is always a bit like this in Australia. People who have never attended church find themselves singing things like, With the angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. A somewhat weird thing to do were it not for the Bible being in our veins. They are also caught caroling about Emmanuel, the desire of nations, the son of righteousness, all different images from the carols for Jesus himself. But if you're not a Bible reader, they sound like a completely foreign language these days. And families will be assembling toy donkeys, camels, wise-looking men wearing robes on their mantelpieces at home, having some vague idea that this is about religion, but knowing nothing about the nativity accounts recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Well, I like the way Christianity lingers in the December experience for every Australian. I'd be really sad to see it go. But I do know that it's only on the periphery for many people. In the name of a wine bottle or a display of animals and a baby on a lounge room shelf. It would be so much more satisfying if the deeper meaning of Christmas could surface along with the residual biblical traces. By that I mean facing the idea that God became human in the person of Jesus with all of its profound implications. How about singing Veiled in Flesh, the Godhead See and really being struck by what is being claimed here. Jesus is a God we can see. Well, that's when Christmas lifts to a new level And that's a better reason than any I can think of to crack open a Methuselah and give thanks with friends and family this Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, gents, we've come to that time in the final program of The Big Picture on the radio airwaves. And what better way to finish off a show than with the top five, which is the way we finish off every single show, but with the top five most joyous film moments ever, or at least according to Mark and I. So, let us begin joyfully, gentlemen, at number five. Five. Yep, we're going to be sharing this one. And as we go through, I thought I would begin with... The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. Okay? Yeah. So, oh, wow. That's an unusual choice. Okay. Well, here you go. In Thanks for being here too, Russ Matthews, oh, and sharing man. in our joyful moments. I, f- I feel the joy. I feel the love. There's okay. so much joy. Prince Caspian. Yeah, well, basically, in the second installment, you know, by Walden Media and Disney Pictures, there's this moment, right at the beginning of the film, in fact, I, I, my heart just leapt with it, the Pevensey children are... Uh, basically been arguing and having a rotten sort of time. It's during the war. They're going down to the train station. They're all going to go back to their schools. And there they are. And suddenly, in the rushing past of a train, uh, they are translated from their humdrum 
boring existence into Narnia. Right. Now, this scene is cinematic brilliance because there's this moment where in which the, just the, the mundanity of life is wiped away into the joy of suddenly realising where you actually are. And I thought, gosh, if I want to feel happy about the fact that heaven is coming, this is where I go to look at this scene because it's just this moment, you know, in a, in a brief, in something as quick as a train passing, I could find myself in that everlasting country. So that's my joy. There you go. Four. So Mark and I decided to cover up this top five list, and we didn't uh, talk to each other beforehand about what we were going to choose. I've gone off in much different directions when I, <laughs> when I thought about top five uh, joyful movie moments. I was thinking about different movies that I liked that gave me joy, but instead I've thought about different moments in my life as a movie lover that have been joyful. So oh. my number four choice is The Wedding Planner from 2001. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to explain why. J Lo makes the list. That's right. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Ray Fiennes in that rom com that most people don't really remember, and if they do, they didn't like it. The reason it is a joyful movie moment for me is because, as uh, Mark and I have discussed on the big picture, and as Russ has also mentioned about himself, uh, the times he's been on the show, we talk a lot about where we come from, what we do, and our involvement with movies. Talk a bit about our backstory. Right. Mine is being a film reviewer. The first film I ever reviewed for an official like big publication, which was the advertising newspaper in Adelaide, was The Wedding Planner in 2001. Oh. So it has a special place in my heart as a guy who loves movies, even though the movie wasn't that good. I actually think I kind of talked it up a little bit more than I should have. I was so excited about, as part of my day job, getting to go to the cinema, this job I wanted since I was a child to get to do. I was so wrapped up in it. I probably gave it one or two more stars than I should have yeah. at the time. It but, is, especially when it was out of five and you gave it 12. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but uh, it was a bit of the beginning of a dream for me as uh, in my life, The Wedding Planner. That's why it comes in. A joyful movie moments at number four. Three. And now for the serious thing again. <laughs> actually, I was just thinking of films that actually really, really, really give me joy. I can watch over and over again. Now, there's heaps of kids' films I love. I'm a big sucker for kids' films. Right. But, you know, 1998, The Prince of Egypt is just a beautiful, beautiful film. It's, oh, it's, The Prince of Egypt. Yeah, yeah, it's 2D animation, people. Okay. Really? <laughs> there's Whoa. no Shrek, no 3D modelling. There's no jokes for the parents or anything in there. It's just an awesome retelling of an incredibly hopeful tale straight from the Bible about Moses and the people of Israel leaving Egypt for the Promised Land. Hmm. Uh, and it's biblically faithful and it's plausible and it's often funny and it's definitely moving. And there are a lot of moments of deliverance in the film, but my favourite one is not like the getting through the Red Sea or anything like that. It is just when they are leaving Egypt after the final, mm-hmm. after the final plague is hit and they realise that the prayers that they've had are actually the secret to finding dreams and miracles. That's great. You know, and pr- the connection between prayer and miracle, gosh, I can't watch this scene without having you know a lump in the throat. So that's another version of joy for you that doesn't involve J-Lo. It's a great choice. Two. From prayers and miracles and joy to something else that happened to me back in 2001. Now, before I reveal what this is, let me just say some honourable mentions at this point. Do go to movies that have given me joy, but I think I've banged on about them too much on the big picture, such as the Back to the, Back to the Future, the first one. Like, I distinctly what, you remember... you like that film? A little bit. Oh, little bit. Know. Yeah. <laughs> really? might, might be on the record a few thousand times on this show of going on about how much I liked that and seeing that with my dad and my brother when I was a kid. And also the first movie my wife Amy and I saw, this when we were dating, we watched Gosford Park 
the most joyful thing about that for me is I really liked that movie. When I realized that Amy did as well, there was a joyful movie moment. Of like, uh. thank, thankfully, you have taste in films. That was a that was <laughs> great. I, I can marry you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I picked at number two is, and I'm trying to say this within all humility, but it was back in 2001, same year as The Wedding Planner. I got to meet Will Smith. Oh. I got to meet Ooh. Will Smith in in person for that film Ali that he did, and Will oh, Smith yeah. was massive at the time. The reason I'm sharing it on this list um, isn't just to try to make myself look better than I actually am. The reason is because I think um, the the world's changed a lot in that time since 2001 to now, where celebrity or the sort of um, mystery around celebrity and the distance we can have from people up on screen has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. We seem to know more about famous people, movie stars, TV stars than we ever did before. Getting to meet someone who was in a movie was quite a big deal. Like, it still is, but it's quite a big deal. What I really liked about it, as you go behind the curtain and meet these people that you've seen up on films like Bad Boys and um, Independence Day and Men in Black and all that kind of thing in the case of Will Smith, was that he was a real person and a nice person. And he's one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. And for the 12 minutes I spent in a hotel room with Will Smith in 2001, he made me feel like a peer of his, as in just a mate, like someone who was actually interested in you. Now, I grant you, he's an actor and a well and a well-paid one, but just being able to share twelve minutes in a room with a guy of that stature and realize that he's just a person was a beautiful and joyful movie moment for me. That's why it's coming in at number two. One. Top well, that. Here we go. Here's <laughs> number one. I'll, I'll do my best. I chose the film I'm going to be talking about as my top five joyful moments in film, basically because it summarizes what the big picture is all about. Now, we'd just like to say thank you to the audience who've been with us for two and a half, I'll three say, years thank now. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we hope you it's picked been up. Great. We hope you picked up what we've been talking about, which is the idea that the fragments of God are still in a world that might be rejecting him. And you can find them in film and TV. And I found them in. In the Return of the King. So the Return oh, of the yes, King, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Yeah, there's a whole lot in the Lord of the Rings that could be talked about in terms of the Christian perspective, and why not? The books were written by a Christian, but one of the things that I find most amazing is a scene that was never in the books. It's a scene that moves me when uh, it's written by non-Christians who unknowingly follow Gandalf and Pippin in the middle of the siege of Minas Tirith down a train of thought to discover what we all know deep down, that death is not the end and that there's actually a hope for something far greater. The secret is, do you know who's going to take you there? I didn't think it would end this way. End? The journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we all must take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? And else? See what? White shores. And beyond. The far green country. Into a swift sunrise. Well, that isn't so bad. Mark, that is a remarkably joyous way to end off the top five most joyful movie moments in our lives. And to finish off 
the big picture radio show. It's sad that it's come to a conclusion, but it's been a fantastic ride the last couple of years. I've got some quick thanks to make, uh, especially to guests, as particularly like Russ Matthews, who's been a regular on the show for the last couple of years, the different people we've interviewed, all the listeners of the program, my wife Amy and my kids, and also to Mark and our producer Maya. Uh, it's been a fantastic shebang the last couple of years to get to talk about movies and TV from uh, and pop culture from a Christian perspective. Incredible. Um, stick around and join us for what we're going to do next year, though. Yeah, I've got to say, um, I, I would almost feel sad were it not for the fact that God has been incredibly gracious to us and has mm-hmm. given us some great opportunities for next year. So please hang around and please keep doing what we've always asked you to do. Think when you go and and see what you can see of God in a film and then start a conversation with somebody about it. This has been the final episode of The Big Picture. Thanks for joining us. I have been Ben McKechn. And I still will be Mark Hadley. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.